I want you to take a moment, and I want you to quiet your heart, quiet your mind, and ask yourself, why am I here at church? Why am I here? Now, I'm asking that both kind of sarcastically, like, why am I here? But also, for real, what brought you here? What, what made you feel like on this Thanksgiving weekend, I want to go from the warmth of my bed and my home, go through traffic, and get here to church? This morning, I found myself asking this question a lot more than normal. Uh, every week, Sean Rackley, uh, amazingly, puts out the signs uh, out and around near town so that you can find your way to us. This week, Ian Boyle stepped up, and he said, I would be glad to do that while Sean is out of town. Um, I had a, a, a key issue, and I, I couldn't get the key to Ian before today. So I was like, I'll just meet you by the vehicle that we have all the signs in, and, and then let's do that. I'll just give you the key, and then you scat, and I'll scat, and that's fine. So I show up to where our Suburban is normally parked. It is not there. There is no car parked there. I circle the block a time. And two, where is what we affectionately call BB? Where is the blue Suburban? Where is BB? And uh, after calling Russell and calling Sean and saying, it's not here, I don't know what's happening, Russell called using the VIN number and the license plate number. He found BB. So BB was unfortunately hit on Monday uh, while it sat on the street, parked, and somebody hit it. Um, I don't know. Russell's the one who... That, that's from this morning. So I don't know if it was a hit and run or if we are covered. But as I arrived... To get keys to Ian. That's all I wanted to do. Just get keys to Ian so we could go and set up signs normally. And then that's how I'm starting my day, coming into church. And I found myself already asking, why, God? Why does this have to happen as we are going to church? And then on the way in to find out that Memorial was closed, uh, our normal route that most people take to get to near town, I was like, okay, so now we have no signs. Uh, and also, people can't get to near town on a normal route. What is going on? It's a holiday weekend. Our setup crew was light. We, I, I was sending like texts at 10 last night saying, can you please come set, set up tomorrow, please? We need help. So, so I found myself asking in a very frustrated way, why, God, why? Why are we going to meet tomorrow? Why are we doing this? Why do we as Christians gather week after week after week all around the world Together, why do we do this? So think of what your reason is. Think of some of the things that came to mind. We are going to spend today's time in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Paul is actually kind of asking the Corinthians this exact same question. He's asking, why do you gather? Or he's heard their answer and he has found something highly suspect in what they said was the reason that they gather. And so Paul is having to draw their attention in and say, this is why we gather. So at the end of our time, I hope that we can all leave with a a certain understanding of why the early church was gathering, 
why we gather, and how we should go about this. It's something for them. It's something for us. I think it's worth our time. Would you join me in prayer as we dig in? Lord, I thank you so much that you cared enough to reach out to us through your word, that you cared enough for us to reach out to us in our hearts, and that you have come to make yourself known. Lord, we come now into your word, and we are trying to figure out what you have for us, why you wrote it, what's this message that you had for the church then and now. Lord, Spirit, please move. Open our hearts, open our minds, get us into that place where we can hear you and see. In your name we pray. Okay, so we are going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. If not, it will be above me on the screen. Let us jump right in. Verse 26. As we are jumping in here, no, chapter 14 sits at the end of like a four-chapter argument that Paul has been doing. Chapter 11 through 14 is all about what they are doing when they gather all the things they should definitely not be doing when they gather. Paul has said, you're doing this, stop it. You're doing this, stop it. You're doing this, stop it. So now it gets to the end of 14, and it's kind of his summary of this long argument that he has made. So uh, if you want to see some of the particulars that Paul has gone through, go back, uh, podcast.neartownchurch.org, listen to our past sermons on that. But we're jumping in here And now Paul said, okay, verse 26, what then, brothers? As in, okay, so now that I have torn everything down, what's next? What do we do? What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. So if, if Paul has written them, And he has said, I I take issue with how you are gathering and why you are gathering. Now he has torn everything down and he's coming back to say, now this is how you should gather. There is, I don't want to entirely say like there's a shadow argument happening behind this text because that makes it sound bad. What I mean to say is there is a foundation that all of this is building upon. It has already been covered. And so For us to talk about why we are meeting without hitting this, because it's not written here verbatim, then we would be remiss and we would be, we would lack the punch that Paul has. Paul is saying, first of all, why are we gathering? There is one large reason that they are gathering, that we are gathering. What is it? We gather to bring God glory everywhere and declare his praises in all things. Why does the church gather to bring God glory everywhere and declare his praises in all things? Paul has already argued this. He has already made this vast foundation on why Christians should be gathering. It should be about God. It should be about his glory. It should not be about their own mess. It's about God. Okay, And it's about other people knowing who he is. This is why the church gathers. So if you're saying, okay, why should the church gather? This is it with a large bullet. It is about God's glory and it is for his name. Now, where do I see this in verse 26? If you look at it, Paul has listed certain forms 
things that the church is going to do when they gather. So when you come together, each one has a hymn. What's a hymn? A hymn is a song sung to God to praise him for who he is and what he's done. What is a lesson? Well, a lesson is somebody coming up front to exposit the scripture, to talk about what God has already done, and notify everybody who God is and how he wants to move in them. It's still about his glory. It is still about everyone knowing it. Well, what is this revelation? This is the prophetic word that is from God, that is to be preached to others or spoken to others so that other people know about God and his glory. What is a tongue and an interpretation? They go together. This is a special word from the Lord, a unique way that he is speaking to this person and has a unique word through an interpretation for the people there. Though it doesn't say it, every single action of the church is about him. So when the church gathers, it should be about his glory. It should be about who he is and what he's done and making sure people know about this. So if that is the very critical why, if that is the very critical why, then how do we go about it? If you think about it, the why, uh, why the church gathers, it's, it's the destination. It's where we're going. But there are, there are things that Paul sets out in this chapter. Imagine they are like gates, that you, you have to pass through these gates to actually get to the destination. Okay? Paul has already argued with the Corinthians, you haven't been about some of these things, the how. You haven't walked through these gates. You said you've been about God and his glory, but your actions have said differently. So he puts forward these three things that the, the church really needs to be about, that they need to walk through these things in order to actually bring God glory and share his glory everywhere. So what are those three things? The very first one is at the end of chapter or verse 26. Whatever you're going to do, do all things. Let all things be done for building up. Let all things be done for building up. Paul, again, to reiterate an argument that he has already made, is telling the Corinthians in a very, very nice way, it's not about you. It's not about you. When you gather, when you come together as the body of Christ, let everything you do be done for building others up, for edifying, for encouraging. Let everything you are doing be for the people around you. Now, since I am preaching, everybody seems to look at me. This is my fun part. I want you to look at each other. Okay, look around, make that awkward eye contact. It's okay to turn around. It's okay to do one of those over your shoulder. These are the people that God has brought here today. And so, as you have come to this gathering, God's intent for you is to encourage, to edify, and to build up the others that God has surrounded you with. See, when Paul talks about this, he isn't just writing to the leaders. He's not just writing to Pastor Russell and I saying, okay, when you guys plan the service and you work with Ty and you work with Tim and we do all the things on the upfront, you need to make sure that it goes just like this and make sure you 
encourage and build up people from the front. Paul says in verse 26, when you come together, each one has a hymn. Each one has a hymn. Everybody has something that is a gift from the Holy Spirit that is to be used to his glory to build others up. I'm only going to take a a sidestep to say when we look at this passage, uh, this isn't isn't the way it's always supposed to be. Like, it's not supposed to be just these forms of a hymn and uh, like these sort of, of a tongue at this time and a prophecy at this time and a lesson at this time. It's not always going to look like that. Uh, Paul didn't list absolutely everything that was a gift of the Holy Spirit. So we know that that wasn't his intent. Uh, imagine if this just really had a big etc. afterwards. Whenever you gather, when you, when you do this, when you're about this, when you're about this, whatever you are about, let it be so that others may be built up. Um, when the church started meeting, they met in houses. They met in hidden spaces. They met in much, much smaller groups than we are right now. And so when we read this from Paul and say, Paul, that's really great. Tim is going to be the one leading us in hymns and praises today. Um, Zach is probably not going to jump up with a different hymn and start singing it over here. And then my wife, Megan, will not start with a third song in the back. Okay, That is not what it is about. It is about everyone bringing something for the edification for each other. And we know that if everybody is to use the spiritual gift that God has given them through the Holy Spirit, then they need to actually plug themselves into a community where they can utilize that. Some things, some things can be utilized on a Sunday morning up on stage, uh, through a variety of gifts. But most things are going to be utilized when you get into smaller groups, such as loop groups that meet on Sundays and Wednesdays throughout our community, where you can utilize the gifts that God has given you to edify others, to build them up, to encourage them. That is the space where you can actively do that. On a Sunday morning, not everybody can do everything, but that's okay. It's not all about Sunday. When we meet, when we gather, do it for the building up of others. Second thing he gets to, gather with self-control. Gather with self-control. Now, join with me in verse 27. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two, or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each one, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. He spent a large amount of time talking about tongues and about prophecy, about the gift of tongues and about prophecy. And so now he is kind of honing it down. He's whittling it down. And he's saying, okay, so when you gather, be self-controlled. Be self-controlled. If you feel that the Spirit has given you something inside and you just need to well up and say it with your gift of tongues, you can't shout over everybody else who is also feeling this big welling up. Like I said, if Tim started singing and Zach started singing and Megan started singing and they were all singing different things, well, that would be a problem. That would be very, very loud. 
and very confusing. God said, be self-controlled when you gather. If you feel this thing welling up inside that you really want to go and do, think, is this for me? Or is this for building others up, for the encouragement of others? If it's for the building of others up, I need to exercise self-control because it's not about me. And so Paul has provided an order. He said, okay, if you were going to speak in tongues, it's a good idea. Take turns. Isn't it funny that he has to take, tell adults, take turns. We as parents spend lots of time. Take your turn. Take your turn. Not everybody at once. I can't answer you all at once. Please, one at a time. Okay? Paul is saying the exact same thing to adults in the church. Guys, stop it. Take your turn. When you want to utilize the gift that God has given you, be self-controlled. Take your turn. Okay? He continues on with this idea of self-control. Verse 29. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made uh, to another sitting there, let the first be silent. Again, be controlled. For you can all prophesy one by one. It sounds so funny just to read it like this. Like I'm, I'm thinking like a parent talking to a child. No, really, guys. You can do what you want. Just settle down. Be controlled. Okay, here's the order that we're going to do it. Everybody's going to get their turn. Don't worry. And then when you do this, everyone's going to get a chance to participate in church. So yay. All right, anyway. Uh, for you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. So he's, he's going back to that previous thought. We're going to cover those three gates that I talk about that, that people should go through to actually bring glory and honor to God. They're, they're like fingers interlocking, okay? They're, they're not so much like, this is now when we will be encouraged, and this is now when we will do this in control, and this is now the last one, this is now when we will be in order. They, they, throughout this passage, they are overlapping, they are connected. Verse 32, and the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. God is, not a, uh, God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. The encouragement is for the people to involve themselves in a self-controlled fashion. How does this call to reflect God in his peace and his lack of confusion, how does this call actually impact us? Because we, I, we don't have a room in our service for prophecy yet. Yet. Um, and we don't have room in our service set aside for speaking in tongues. I'm saying that's not part of our habit, but I don't want us to look and say, oh, we don't, I don't see speaking in tongues every week. I don't see prophecy every week. This isn't for me. Tim, your time's later. Wait your turn. So uh, we have this opportunity to be self-controlled. Paul's call to the church is to arrive when they gather in a self-controlled fashion. When you arrive to build others up in self-control, what does that automatically mean? It means that we are looking outside of ourselves to one another 
How can I build you up? How can I encourage you? How can I go about what I do so that you are edified? I am going to hold back from what I want, asking all the questions that I have just right now so that you give me attention. It's not about me. It's not about me. How does this impact us today when we gather? It's going to require us to to learn a few things, I think. Russell already talked about this when we hit uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. One of the things that will probably best satisfy us as we gather and how we can best edify and encourage others is to know how God's built us, to know what gifts that he has given us. Uh, I think Russell pointed it out. We have a, a tool. It's not, it's not the Bible. It's not God speaking to you. It is, a, it is a survey of spiritual gifts that you can find online at neartownchurch.org. Um, you can find it on our uh, Next Steps page, and it's got a link to find the spiritual gift survey. If you've never taken one of those and said, I don't know what my spiritual gift is, go take it, at least get an idea of what some spiritual gifts are and maybe what some that you have are. Ask people around you, this is what it says, is this true, is this crazy talk, Um, what is this? The reason I bring it up is because if you want to show up and encourage and edify and build others up with self-control, it's going to take some effort on your part. It's going to take patience. And it's going to take practice. It's going to take patience to find out what it is, patience to understand for you how to use it, and practice to say, is this what God has gifted me in? How can I do this for the betterment of others. It's going to take time, but it is so worth it because the Holy Spirit has given each of us a gift for his glory, for his honor. Again, it's part of the why. It's why we gather. Paul uh, points that out to them. Now, uh, moving on, I have to point out something for, uh, for those who have the ESV Bible. Uh, we have those out there. This is the ESV translation that we are using up top. When, when somebody comes to the Greek, um, when you read the original text in Greek, it doesn't have our very nice punctuation marks where we know, oh, this is the end of a thought. Oh, this is the transition. This is the question mark. And so sometimes translators go into the text and for the, gra- the vast majority, translators have agreed throughout time. But as language changes, it has people going back, researching, going into the individual text. And here, in verse 33, they have one sentence, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. And they have a period. The next thought, as in all the churches of the saints, comma. Uh, I have read quite a few different translations, looking back at the text, and I believe that the sentence as Paul is writing it, is, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints, period. Okay, That is a thought that goes up previously. It builds into God's character and what is common and normal at all the churches. God is a God of peace, not of confusion. And I make that point because... Just join me in 34, see if you can figure out why. 
Verse 34, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in a church. In church. I already see all the women are smiling at me. Most of them, their lips are pursed and their eyes are up and like, hmm, well, Andrew, what do you have to say? Uh, I find it perfectly placed in this passage. The verse that precedes this has just said, God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. And now we read this next verse, which for today's day and age, everybody's arms are folded and say, now, come again? Because God is a God of peace. We understand, as we have talked about many times, 1 Corinthians is a letter to the Corinthian church. They had issues. They had things that they were doing. There were manners of worship that they were going about that were causing major problems. Some verses, some letters, I should say, from Paul are written to the churches and say, here's some wisdom. You should apply it. Others are more polemic, okay? Think of um, poles, okay? You've got one pole way over here, and you have one pole way over here. When you talk about something being polemic, it's talking about the vast extremes. So the Corinthians were operating this mindset, this is why we should gather, and this is how we should gather, and this is what we should do. And Paul writes these letters to say, no, it's this over here. What we can say, this is not the first time Paul has brought this up. The first half of chapter 11 is all about women's role in the church. He brings it up again in chapter 14. Observationally speaking, how the women in the first Corinthian church at that time were worshiping was completely contrary to what was for the edification, the building up of others. It was done without self-control and it was done without order. We do not have a really nice description of what all the women were there doing. But we can say, because Paul continues to bring it back up it was an issue that was stopping the reason they were gathering. It was becoming a problem. I'm not saying the women were becoming a problem. I am saying how this particular church showed up in worship was preventing the whole reason that they were gathering. It was a distraction. So Paul is trying to help this specific church on how they should go about worship. And so this command, this, this instruction to that church came at that place in his argument. Now, Paul is not a woman hater. Lots of people think Paul is a woman hater because he has texts like this in his letters. What do we know about Paul? Well, if we look in other places, Paul has actually put women into leadership positions in many of his churches. If God is a God, not of confusion, but of peace, why would Paul say this, but then go and do that? We've got Phoebe, who is sent out as a, a servant, a deacon, 
listed as a deaconess, somebody that is a servant of the church, a leader. We have Lydia that had that church meet at her house. We have lots of people that Paul has referenced and worked alongside in ministry who were women. He doesn't hate women. This was a specific issue for this church at that time that he needed to step in and speak to so that they could get back to why they were gathering for the glory of God to be seen everywhere and for everyone to desire knowing him. That is why this passage is here. Now, if you're worried, is is Neartown going to be one of these churches? Are we going to go that route? I think already by Debbie reading scripture this morning, and when we have Lauren Niskavitz come and rock our worship music, and we have Sarah Robbins, and we have others read scripture so excellently, we do not believe that women should absolutely be quiet in church. So if you are worried about that, don't be worried. We take this text to be something that was meant for that church at that specific time in that way, a way that they were abusing, worshiping God, and why they were gathering. That is why they were doing it not in the right order. Okay? Verse 36. Or was it from you that the word of God came? This seems really forceful, by the way. Paul's talking about self-control and worship, and oh, by the way, let women be quiet, and also, or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones that it has reached? Um, Again, this is a polemic letter. He is writing to them because there are issues. He is covering issues as they are coming up. He has just spoken about how they were abusing. They were not edifying one another. They were not in control. And they were not doing things in an orderly manner. And Paul just said, the way that you were doing things is not healthy. And immediately, I think through the Spirit, he knows that they are irate. irate. They are reading this and they're saying, this isn't right. Who is he? Who is he to tell us what to do? Who is he to come and infringe and say that we can't do this? Does he, is he a woman hater? They probably thought the same thing. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones that it has reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So my brothers, earnestly. So this is the transitions. There are people that are questioning his apostleship. They are questioning his authority. And Paul has already stated do things in an orderly manner. He's about to say it again. He is encouraging the Corinthian church, church, get back in order. Stop doing things just for yourself because you feel really strongly that you should. What I am telling you is from the Lord. It is from God's mouth. I am encouraging you in this. Be about this. Be about this. So verse 39, so my brothers, when you gather, earnestly desire to prophesy. And do not forbid speaking in tongues. After all that he said, all of the dangers, all the pratfalls that he has said, okay, this is definitely going to be an issue, still keep doing it. Still keep gathering. Still keep utilizing the spiritual gift that the Holy Spirit has given you for the edification of the church. 
in self-control, and in order. But all things, verse 40, all things should be done decently and in order. When we gather, we should be about these three things for the building up and edification of others. We should do so in self-control. When we utilize our spiritual gifts, we should do so in self-control. And we should be doing these things in order. Now, like I said, these were like hands woven together. All of this text has it going back and forth, showing order, showing self-control, showing that we are to be doing these things for the benefit of others. But that was his word to them. What is God saying to us about when we gather? When we show up on a Sunday morning, do we show up so that others that we just awkwardly looked at a little bit ago, that they're built up? Do we show up in self-control, not just saying it needs to be about me and about my way? Do we show up in order that how we go about things isn't forcing our own way and jumping ahead of what the Spirit might want to do here in this gathering with this people. There's a variety of things that I have kind of been hearing from the Spirit, namely, as I was working through this, that often, like when I'm frustrated that BB has a broken whole everything, can't get here and we can't do signs and it doesn't fit my way and it doesn't look like I want and the coffee ran out and the donuts were out and why isn't it like the way I want? I think I've lost focus. I think I've lost focus on why I have come to church. Why I gather. We gather to bring God glory gather to be reminded of his goodness and how we can be about him. Not just when we gather, but when we walk out these doors. We are to be about the graciousness of Jesus, the goodness of the Holy Spirit, the greatness of our Father, and the glory of God whenever we are gathered. Let us draw near to the heart of the Spirit that is encouraging us to be about the edification and honor of others. Let us draw near to the Spirit so that we grow in self-control. Let us draw near to the Spirit so that we actually desire order when we come together in worship and how we utilize our spiritual gifts, not so that they're haphazard and crazy and we find fun in the revelry, but instead in the order, in the peace. God brings. Would you bow with me in prayer? Jesus, you are our foundation. You are our foundation. It is for you and to you that we gather. But Lord, we need you to show up in a pretty mighty way to help organize us. We need you to set our hearts right, to point us back towards you. In this space, Lord, I don't think many of us are wrestling with our use of the gift of tongues or of prophecy on whether or not we should speak in church. 
that's not how we arrive here, Lord. But Lord, our hearts are still broken. Our hearts are in need of you, and our hearts need to know your face and your glory. Lord, allow these next moments to be that time where we are drawn in, where we see you, where we are challenged, and we are encouraged, that we are loved by you, and that we get to play a part in bringing you glory. In your name we pray.